the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Open line Friday, open line hour. It's all you, 602-508-0960. Let me tell you about, um, we had mentioned Herman Cain a bunch over the last couple of days. I've uh, been privileged to know some amazing people in my life. I got to know Herman pretty well back in Washington when he would uh, work with me on the Bill Bennett show. And unfortunately, we lost Herman this fall. He was the former CEO of Godfather's Pizza, battled and beat cancer, ran for president in 2012, and uh, had his own show in Atlanta for many years. He was an amazing man whose life embodied the values we strive to live and pass along to our kids and grandkids' belief in God, the power of personal responsibility, hard work, a good education, living each day with a thankful heart. There's a movie out about him, Poor to CEO. It's one of the most inspirational and entertaining films out, and we have it available to you at SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com. Make sure to use the promo code PHOENIX to save 20%. Poor to CEO, the Herman Cain story at SalemNow.com. I find it fascinating, fascinating that uh, Fox News did not lead their top-of-the-hour coverage on the Supreme Court decision that uh, has denied Texas's uh, appeal that uh, sued Pennsylvania, well, suit against Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, and Wisconsin. Um, but that is the news. The Supreme Court did deny hearing that case. Um, Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas said they would have taken the case without granting other relief. The other justices did not think the case had standing. That would have included Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Roberts, and Amy Barrett. So that is that. We can talk about that or anything else. Dana and Chandler. Dana, I was hoping to hear from you for a bunch of reasons, um, but you go first. Welcome. Well, no, no, that's not fair. Now you piqued my interest. Um, Hmm. You well, called in. Well, you called in a couple few days ago uh, to talk about a um, disagreement or argument with your mother. Yeah. About the renaming of a school back in Minnesota, the Henry Sibley yep. School. And I don't know if you saw the Powerline write-up of it. You know, two of the Powerline writers are in Minnesota. I'm happy. I know that, but no, I didn't see that. I'll read it to you. I'll read it to you and the rest of it. So basically, as in Virginia, Falls Church, Virginia, where they're renaming the George Mason and Thomas Jefferson schools, in Minnesota, Dana had called in, um, having a. You're from Minnesota, I take it? Originally. Yeah, and where they are renaming the Henry Sibley School. And John Hinderocker, who. is from Minnesota. He wrote this. Henry Sibley High School in St. Paul, named after Minnesota's first governor, has repudiated its heritage and will change its name from a story in the um, 
Uh, in uh, the Minnesota News, a local, sc- local school board voted this week to change the name of Henry Sibley High School, which is named after Minnesota's first governor. The West St. Paul, Mendota Heights, Egan Area School Board began the renaming process early in November. The board heard from the community members, local historian, and the district's American Indian liaison <coughs> who shared the perspective she gathered. What's it all about? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. It has to do with the Sioux Uprising of 1862. Beginning with a series of spree killings, it turned into a mass slaughter of white settlers along the Minnesota River. The details were gruesome. Most victims were women and children murdered in ways too horrific to describe. Henry Sibley led the troops that rode to the rescue of the civilians who were being massacred by Sioux warriors. The American settlers won the war happily, and in the aftermath, 303 Sioux warriors were sentenced to be hanged for crimes which they were convicted by a hastily hastily assembled military tribunal. President Lincoln had the trial transcripts sent to him, and he reviewed them personally, most likely in the middle of the night as the Civil War was going badly at the time. Lincoln applied a strict standard. He would only allow Indians to be punished if there was clear evidence they committed either murder or rape. On that basis... 38 were eventually hanged in Moncado, Minnesota. Lincoln gave strict orders that federal troops protect the remaining vast majority of Indian warriors from the appropriately angry whites. So Henry Sibley was not as magnanimous as Abraham Lincoln. That may have something to do with the fact that he saw the results of the Sioux massacres, the tortured and decapitated women, and the infants nailed to tree trunks. And um, that's Sibley. That's Sibley. But it cuts no ice with today's liberals and spineless school administrators who probably know little or nothing of the actual history of the 1862 war. All they know is if it's anti-American, they're on board with it. So there you go. You might want to send your mom that story or not. Follow my advice and just not. Well, yeah. She'll just, you know, she'll just say that it's history whitewashed. To the yeah, of course, of course, of she course. She won't believe it anyway. Yeah, but, um, right. You know, and, and you mentioned where Henry Sibley Senior High School is, the, the Egan Mendota Heights um, area and at West St. Paul. Oddly enough, Seth, they're mostly white, first ring, inner affluent suburbs. Of course. Imagine that. Of course. Of course. Of course. The only people who are upset by this are whites, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. White liberals. I guarantee you. Yep. So, so the real reason why I called today is I didn't know if you were aware of uh, Chandler schools, the teachers had a sick out today. I was not aware of that. Yeah. Well, apparently at least 125 teachers called in planned sick today. I just want to make sure I understand this. They used sick time to pretend to be sick because they don't want to go back to work because they might get sick. Yeah, that would be it. That would be that would be it. Say it again. I want everyone to hear it again. Do it again. They they had a sick out, meaning they called in sick because they want after the holidays not to come back to teach in person. They want to go back online because they might get sick. Right. But you know what? They might get sick, but they might not. But they might get sick from other adults. They're not going to get sick from the children. Right. That they teach. But, you know, it worked you know, the last you, time they threw the fit and I know, out on our I know. So why I know. not do it again? I know. And again and again and again. Yep. I know, Dana. 
This is it's a terrible. Funny how nobody ever thinks of that, right? Well, you know? you you, ha- you you've you've you, you've got it right. They're pretending to be sick to stay away from a school they're afraid of where they might get sick. But they won't get sick at school. That's the thing. These sicknesses from adults at schools, they they trace back to other activities, not in school or people or other adults. Not the kids. Not the kids. Right. Does any parent have something to say about this? Does any parent um, who has to figure out what to do with their kid on a day's notice, who otherwise would be going to work or trying to, have anything to say about this? No. Well, yes, but will it be heard? No. No. Well, my kids' my kid school is stop talking about if they're ever going to go back. They've never gone back, and they've quit talking about it. Albert Schenker is the union leader in this famous union education union, teachers union leader in the 60s and 70s. He said it right. He said, as soon as students pay union dues, then they will be our concern. It's not about the kids. It's not about the kids. A year ago, we were told they were essential employees. We always hear about how much they love what they do, how much they love the kids, how the kids are their first priority. No, they're not. They're not, not to the people who are playing sick out. No, uh-uh, nope. Across the country, across the country, were, you know, some 290,000 deaths with COVID on the death certificate. Do you know how many are under the age of 17 across the country? Uh, I think it was point. It's 133, 133. Bill, what's that math? 133 out of 290,000. That's probably four four one-hundredths of a percent. Probably four one-hundredths of a percent. And they had comorbidities. We know who to protect and how to protect them. We really do. We really do. But we engage in wholesale insanity. Wholesale insanity and retail madness on this thing. That's what we got. Collective guilt. Punish the healthy. I'm sorry, Dana, but thank you for bringing it to my attention. I like the way you put it. All right, you have to go deal with the louchens. I hear them hungry. Yes, I do. And and by the way, Seth, I'm um, Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to you, Dana. Thank you. Thanks. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Such great lyrics. My gosh, such great lyrics. Got to do a little more Sinatra today in commemoration of his, what would it be, his 105th birthday, I think? He was born in 1915. Would he be 105 tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, 602-508-0960. Mike is in Scottsdale. Hello, Mike. Hey, Seth. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing well. Good. I I was excited to name minute ago i've been trying to call uh since the day she called and couldn't get in um but i had you know it was a tough call i'll reprise it just a half a moment for others right she she described a, a just a very 
difficult conversation with her mother over politics. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a, a mother I, I take she's otherwise close to, and it was it was putting to put to say strain on their relationship would be to to understate it. But it was a tough call. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I, I, uh, you know, I'm I'm very against tearing down any statue, good or bad. I mean, leave them all up. We need our history, whether it's good or bad. Um, but and I like I like what you told her. Uh, you know, in order to save the the family, to save their friendship, to save their you know uh, their uh, love for each other, just kind of back off the politics and, and not mention that. But uh, and I don't know if she could if, if, if she is going to do that or if she wants to say anything else. But I thought of, of something. If uh, whether it's her anybody else or a friend or whatever that, that might be on the on the Democrat side um, that has this idea that we should tear down all these things. But what about Bird? Because uh, for Bird, he's got statues and streets named after him and schools named after him. You, you cut over. out, but I think you said Robert Bird. Is that correct? I, I did. Robert okay. Bird. Okay. He's got He's got statues, streets, uh, names of schools in in the town where he's from. Sure, I think in Georgia. I think I don't know. Um, but no, he, West, uh, West, uh, West Virginia. West Virginia. Yeah. They're everywhere, from what I understand. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, why don't we just go tear down all of those things and change all of those names? Because he was a leader in the Ku Klux Klan. Nobody really ever talked about that or said anything. Just like it wasn't there, but he he was blatantly a racist. Um, uh, you know, just just by the fact that he was in the Ku Klux Klan and a leader. You ever heard of a Fulbright scholarship? So it's a well, yeah, it's a well sought out thing named after J. William Fulbright, who was well, Bill Clinton's mentor in Arkansas, well known segregationist, Democrat who voted against the Civil Rights Act, bitter segregationist. Well, then we need to ban the Fulbright and right? the Fulbright scholarship. I mean, and and also, uh, it, remember, one gets to be very busy. Johns Hopkins is now going through this debate university because of the slaveholding. Eli Yale, oh. Yale University. You know, it seems to be a little selective, just a little selective. Well, if, if you'll remember, if you're Joe Ivy Biden, League, I guess you can wait. Uh, Joe Joe Biden spoke at uh, at uh, Robert Byrd's funeral. And he said all kinds of loving things about him. I think he even called him his mentor. I'm not. Well, sure I know about Bill that. Clinton. I know. I, I. Oh, yes, Bill Clinton spoke at his funeral too and defended his being in the KKK. We have video of this. Bill Clinton said, "I know that he had membership in the KKK. He had to. Everyone had to okay. to get elected." Oh, is that the new rule? That's so the new rule. So. So, 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 I, so are, that's the new rule. So I, so I, 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 I get to join whatever yeah. movement I want to get elected. I guess. I, so I where, guess that the, he said the quiet part out loud. Where are all these people that want to tear down statues because people were racist? Yeah. Where are they? They're they're not here. <laughs> you know, when you get to the other side, it gets it, to be a very busy business. I will tell you, it really does. Yes. And. And, and and it becomes a blunt instrument because while, you know, we can talk about Confederate soldiers, I suppose, or, um, yeah, 
Well, and then yeah, I mean, we, we can talk about that, but but what happens here is it turns out that's not really what's cared about. It's anything no, it's American because we saw over the summer the destruction of Frederick Douglass statues, Abraham Lincoln statues, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. Do you remember what Nancy yeah. Pelosi said when she was asked about throwing the statue into um, in Baltimore, tearing down the statue in Baltimore? You know what she said? She said, people will do what people will do. Between that and he had to do it to get elected, we now yeah. have nothing more than the law of the mob. People will well, do what people will do. So if she passes a tax hike and someone yeah. defaces Congress over it or, you know, something worse, I guess the response is people will do what people will do. Is that the legitimate response now? People will well, do what Seth, people will do? Seth, of course it is state, not, right? Can we... Can we go to the sacred cow of Planned Parenthood, yeah. uh, Margaret Sanger? So New York, uh, the New York chapter did take her name off that. The, well, New, the New York chapter did. I don't know if they still have a Sanger Award or if Hillary Clinton is going to give hers back. Well, I don't know, but she 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 gave all kinds of speeches to the Ku Klux Klan. She was her whole plan was to get rid of all blacks. Uh, using eugenics her, and, her affiliation and, with the eugenics movement is sickening uh, she did oh, yeah. she did meet with a group of Klansmen uh, it's um, and the New York the New York chapter was right to take her name down I don't know if anyone else will but um, boy and Hitler admired her I, I will tell you the, the, the yeah I mean as I said we can become a very busy country it's a lug- it's a country of great luxury that has time to do this too, don't you think? With everything mm-hmm. going on and that could occupy our time and interest and effort, you know, to go scrutinizing things. You're right. We should learn from history, good and bad. We have history, good mm-hmm. and bad. The good outweighs the bad. Otherwise, we wouldn't be proud Americans. If the bad outweighed the good, we would have a different time of it. But what the rioters have been trying to tell us and what these school renamers and others are trying to tell us is the bad outweighs the good. I fear for what they're teaching those kids. I really well, do. I really for- fear it. Don't forget what Michelle Obama said, that we need to change our history. We need so, to do what? I don't hear. I didn't hear. Change, change our history. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's they're, what Mark they're, said. They're, they're trying to re- rewrite the history. Right. Yeah, Ob- I mean, Michelle Obama said that. Well, for certainly, certainly Marx does, um, and mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> I mean, this is what Orwell warned about. This is exactly what Orwell. It's what everyone warns about. And when we don't know our history, you know what we're subjected to? Nothing but propaganda. There's a purpose to this. There's a point mm-hmm. to this. What we need right now is a great relearning, not a great unlearning. <laughs> and. Um, it's a, it's, it's a sad moment, Mike. It just it really is. It, it is. really that, is. That and I can tell you, I can tell you, those kids did not feel oppressed at Thomas Jefferson High School. I can guarantee you that. I guarantee no. you that. No, of course not. Well, God, thanks for letting God me. bless you, thanks. sir. You bet. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. Mangoes, apples, bananas, blueberries, oranges, pineapples, carrots, broccoli, kale, cayenne, pepper. You get it all and more with Balance of Nature. One daily dose. They have a unique cold press process 
that gets all that good stuff, 100% whole food plants, fruits, and vegetables into vegetarian capsules. You take them once a day. You can open them and sprinkle them in food if you or drink if you prefer not to swallow the capsules. One daily dose gives you 10 servings of 31 different fruits and vegetables. I take it every day. It's the first thing I pack when I'm traveling. I never want to do a day without it. It has boosted my health and energy. They have a great deal. Free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call, 800-246-8751, or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code BALANCE. It's my favorite product ever, ever. Um, Bill, a question for you, speaking of energy and health. So I did a long run today and uh, have another long run this weekend. I... Uh, I'm now doing uh, the a new kind of push-ups. You're the push-up king. What was that, Max? What did you do that one day? You did an amazing amount of push-ups that one day. What was it? A thousand and we won. Yeah. Yeah, we had a push-up competition here. And Bill's a thousand and we won was kind of like my Bill Buckley National Review answer. When <laughs> Buckley was asked, how many subscribers do you have? And he said, Along with readers, together with readers digest, we have one million thirty-five thousand subscribers. <laughs> Something like that ratio worked with uh, me and Bill. But I have these things; they're circle, they rotate with handles. Does that make the push-up better? Why is that better than regular floor push-up? Do you know what I'm talking about? They they swirl, they you know they circulate in a three hundred and sixty degree. I think you can do them either. Vertically or horizontally in an ideal world, but why is that a better thing? Do you know? I'm a big believer in the push-up handle. You can go deeper. Yeah. I don't have the swir- swiveling ones like you do, but oh right, I've seen the stationary ones. Mine swivel. I think they protect your wrists more too. Oh really? Okay, so stick with that. Oh yeah. All right. Glad we got that out of the way for everyone. Rick is in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hello there, Seth. How are you today? I'm well, sir. How are you? Well, it's kind of a sad day. My uh, pet frog died. Continue. Well, he croaked. I somehow knew there was a punchline. Rivet, rivet. Yeah. (laughs) Try the chicken. (laughs) Okay. what happened? Enough of that stuff, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you and I see eye to eye on almost everything but humor. Yeah, I know. I, I I have a hard time getting a laugh out of you. No, you don't. You have a hard time getting a laugh out of me when you tell a joke. Oh, that, that, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about yeah. that now that you mentioned it. Yeah. The only time you have a hard time getting a laugh out of me is when you tell a joke. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just have to try harder. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, no, no, be, no, 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 no. We don't need to try harder. We need... <laughs> The important thing in human relations is understanding our limits. Oh. <laughs> yes. As Aristotle would say, prudence. Prudence. Okay. Yes, yes, so yes, yes. I, I like Rush's uh, criteria. You know, he says it's the uh, purpose of the caller to make the host look good. And uh, and so I'm thinking... Does he I say that, just- Really? Yeah, he, he used to say that. I don't know. I, I have, you know, I don't listen to him as much as I used huh. to. But that's I didn't what know he that. Used to say. Okay. The purpose of the uh, caller is to make the okay. host look. Good. I have so never. I, I I think I. Well, whether he said it or not, I agree with Dennis. Um, oh. Okay. What uh, Dennis's point about calls is that we have clarity 
not necessarily agreement. So I, you yeah. know, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't want to abide by a notion that I need uh, or want callers to make me look good. I want callers that are interested in the give and well, take of the of the of the keen issues of the day. I think Rush probably said that. Like he says a lot of things, tongue-in-cheek. In passing, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of tongue-in-cheek. Well, I do but know I'm... a rule. one rule in, in um, that they teach you in producer school if uh-huh. there is, uh, you know, producer school, uh, <laughs> what, <laughs> is that you don't want to put on calls that have a bad connection, that don't sound good, oh, or that right. are off topic. And after that, yeah. I think... I pretty much would go with anything. I have to take a quick break, and I know that's not what we were doing. So can you hold, and we'll come back to you, Rick, on fresh? Uh, be co- I'll be happy. No jokes. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll be right back. If you're in the real estate market, buying or selling, I want you to call my friend James Wexler of JMG Real Estate. James is a friend. I know lots of friends who have used him. They think of him as highly as I do. He guarantees to sell your home at market value or pay the difference. He can also make you upfront guaranteed offer on your home within 24 hours if you are selling. He also has a private database of homes that will soon be going on the market if you're in the buying market, helping you avoid complicated bidding wars and possibly losing out on your dream home. He's great. Give James Wexler a call at 480 or visit him online at jameswexler.com. That's jameswexler.com. Rick in Phoenix. Welcome, Rick. Well, thank you very much, Seth. It's nice to be back. Nice to have you, sir. <laughs> hey, uh, Seth, your interview with David earlier today yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. was really good. Yeah, he's and, good. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, uh, you you guys were talking about, uh, you know, uh, media ways to overcome the the CNNs. Yeah, 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 yeah. How how do do we get them to change or what can we do about the fact that they won't? Yeah, what can we do about it? Well, uh, I I know that you you mentioned you and, and David, of course. You guys are doing a great job. And... You also mentioned Newsmax, yeah. which uh, I'm very helpful about. I am, too. The growth they're making yeah. and the, the strides. And I wanted to ask you about another one that I've come across that I've heard about. It's called JustTheNews.com. Yeah, Just is that the John News. Solomon's organization? John Solomon. Yeah. yeah. John Solomon. Right. right. And uh, he has, I think, a very uh, good idea, basically – to do uh, the, the the kind of journalism that the journalist Creed talks about doing, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, searching stuff out, uh, uh, making sure that you have sources, letting everybody know who what who and what those sources are, and uh, you know, getting the facts out, and then letting people. Uh, decide. Yeah, I'm for it. And here's my only asterisk to all of this. And I'm I'm in favor of all these enterprises. And I think John Solomon is a good, rep- a really good reporter, great reporter. Yeah. Um, my only asterisk on all of this is, and I don't know that there's an answer to it, but how do you stop the bifurcation so that you can get well, what John Solomon says, just news. How do you stop 
how how do you how do you get to a situation where it's not just conservatives who read John Solomon right. or go to Parler or Newsmax, and how right. do you get to the point where CNN recognizes that their audience is writing off about 50% of the American public? I mean, it's only yeah. liberals and independents. How, how did Fox do it? Well, Fox, so here's what is interesting. So when Fox started in 96, uh-huh. uh, they started in 96, and Roger Ailes had an idea that there needed to be a network that appealed to a segment of the population that wasn't being appealed to, namely 50% of the country. Right, right. And they did it. Yeah. And I believe I have seen polls or surveys is the better answer, surveys. I have seen surveys from a few years ago that showed that Fox actually had a more bipartisan viewership than MSNBC or CNN. In other words, there were more Democrats who watched Fox than Republicans who watched CNN or MSNBC, but not by a lot, but but by a little. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That, though, Fox has changed its model. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. we we so so Fox has thrown in the towel on wanting that at least during their day part. Seems yeah. to me. Seems to me too. Right. So they I've they think watching. they're going to succeed at being CNN light, and they might. They might. Yeah. I I don't think so. Well, I, I don't know. I I, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know because I think the day parts are lost leaders for the night parts. In other words, I think their money maker is the evening shows. It's right, right. So right. they may not care about the day parts, quite frankly. Yeah. But what's interesting, fun. you were around for my interview with Chris Ruddy, the head of Newsmax. What he said was yes. interesting is they beat Fox yeah. on a evening show. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it wasn't Tucker or Laura, but it was an evening show. Right. So they're starting to make that incursion. Um, I hope it's a wake-up call to Fox. But then again, maybe I don't care. Maybe I don't care. Maybe Fox needs to fall, you know, and well, learn the lesson that it betrayed its base. You turn on your base, you're going to go away. You know, yeah. you do a Dixie Chicks, you're going to go away. You know what I mean by that? You know, you're yeah. in country oh, music, you go abroad in, in a Texas. time of war and denounce your president. That's love. I was in Texas yeah. with the Dixie Chicks. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, I've never seen an organization. Dixie Chickens, we call them. Well, I've never seen an institution turn on its base like that until Fox. Yeah. Until yeah. Fox, which is pull the Dixie yeah. chicks. Well, well, here's the thing, Seth. You know, I started watching Fox about 20 years ago, so I came in a little bit late. But the thing of it is, uh, I, I, I was watching all of the all of the news channels. Yeah, sure. At that point. A lot of people 20, were, yeah. Yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah. But I started noticing that Fox was saying fair and balanced, yeah. but it wasn't just that they were saying it. They were doing. Yes, it. agreed. They really were. They were their day part really was. Their, yes, their, their day reports. part was pretty straight down the line with good reporters yeah, and good yeah. reporting. Their nighttime, they told you what they were doing as opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, I went all along with that. It was for basically a long the Wall Street time. Journal. It was the Wall Street Journal, which news, the news department was straight, fairly straight down the line. Maybe leaned a little liberal, but the op-ed page was definitively conservative. Yeah. 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 All right, Rick. I got to run. God love you, sir. Have a great weekend. We'll be right back. Close a little differently today. Uh, you want a lesson in good writing? 
and American culture, you may want to read an Esquire piece available online from 1966 by one gay Talese, famous reporter. It's one of the most celebrated articles in all of magazine history, one of the most widely read. It's called Frank Sinatra Has a Cold. And it tells you a lot about America, and it shows you what writing is. I, I just wanted to close with some of this. You don't see writing like this anymore. You don't see characters like this anymore. 1966. Frank Sinatra, holding a glass of bourbon in one hand and a cigarette in the other, stood in a dark corner of the bar between two attractive but fading blondes who sat waiting for him to say something. But he said nothing. He had been silent during much of the evening, except now in this private club in Beverly Hills, he seemed even more distant, staring out through the smoke and semi-darkness into a large room beyond the bar where dozens of young couples sat huddled around small tables or twisted in the center of the floor to the clamorous clang of folk rock music blaring from the stereo. The two blondes knew, as did Sinatra's four male friends who stood nearby, that it was a bad idea to force conversation upon him when he was in this mood of sullen silence a mood that had been uncommon during this week of November, a month before his 50th birthday. Sinatra had been working in a film that he now disliked, could not wait to finish. He was tired of all the publicity attached to his dating the 20-year-old Mia Farah, who was not in sight tonight. He was angry that a CBS television documentary of his life was reportedly prying into privacy, even speculating on his possible friendships with mafia leaders. He was worried about his starring role, in an hour-long NBC show entitled Sinatra, The Man and His Music, which would require that he sing 18 songs with a voice that at this particular moment, just a few nights before the taping was to begin, was weak and sore and uncertain. Sinatra was ill. He was the victim of an ailment so common that most people would consider it trivial. But when it gets to Sinatra, it can plunge him into a state of anguish, deep depression, panic, even rage. Frank Sinatra had a cold. That's the opening. Worth reading the whole thing. Until Monday, folks, God bless you. Class dismissed.